Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome to Series 2, Episode 12 of From Page to Practice. Before we dive into today's book, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to you for your support of the podcast so far. This week the podcast has hit 25,000 downloads and to me that is just incredible. That's an average of about 800 people downloading every episode, so thank you so much. So on to today's episode, which is on Alex Quigley's Closing the Reading Gap. We covered closing the vocabulary gap on a very early episode of From Page to Practice, so I'm really pleased to be bringing you this today. So let's hear the introduction from Alex. Hello, my name's Alex Quigley. I'm the author of Closing the Reading Gap. It's a real privilege to have the invite from Rebecca to the From Page to Practice podcast um, to talk about the book and just give a little explainer about why I wrote the book and, and what I hope are the key takeaways for teachers. I've been really delighted. It's been positively re- received. Um, I wrote the Closing the Reading Gap for a few reasons, actually, and, and the clue is in the title. I think there's a gap in terms of reading attainment that is not new. It's not anything impacted by pandemics. It's a long-standing challenge that the reading rich, those young children who ha- read at home and they develop really early on as stronger readers do well in school. And that reading attainment, we see it in primary school. It continues on to GCSEs where those pupils who have the highest reading ages or read the most for pleasure as teenagers, they're the ones who do successfully in school because of all the benefits of reading from all the knowledge it gives you, all the the skills and preparedness for the different subject domains and for the different exam challenges. And that gap is, you know, also an issue that's related to disadvantage and it's an issue related to Things like, you know, real examples of disadvantage like book ownership and access to books and and the ability and support of parents to be able to support that reading development. So for me, that reading gap is what drives um, the book. And the crucial related gap is a gap of teacher knowledge and teacher confidence in relation to that knowledge. So even though for nearly 20 years I was a teacher of English, I don't think as part of my initial training or, or through my teaching career, that actually how you teach reading, particularly to struggling readers, but not exclusively, just how you teach reading and, and the hundreds of choices you make in a typical school week that attends reading development. But I didn't feel competently trained. It was only latterly in my career where I was able to have the, the time and, and scope to do some research that I better understood reading barriers faced by the pupils I taught. I was better able to address issues of of decoding gaps or fluency issues or reading comprehension and and misunderstandings and and limitations in terms of 
um, reading and connecting across texts and reading exam questions. And that confidence gap is one that isn't, I don't think, um, just specific to me. We recognise that for primary school teachers, although, you know, that reading is fundamental to development, we still have reading wars and we still have debates about how best to teach reading. We still have lots of challenges um, that we face. And then you get to secondary school and teachers across all different subject domains have a, a really varied diet of um, training and really mixed understanding. So from MFL teachers and, and how you read in a second language, or it might be maths teachers and how you read word problems or science teachers and how you read that dense academic language of science. And when you start to unpick those challenges, um, you find that there are there's a, a core knowledge understanding for all teachers. Um, there's some disciplinary differences that you can support, particularly for readers in secondary school. But you, you recognise that there's enough knowledge, there's enough evidence out there, there are enough practical strategies to close that knowledge gap for teachers. And if we can do that, then we start to offer our pupils um, reading ability and that skill and knowledge, which is just so essential for school success. So, so the clue is in the title, but the gap is not a singular gap. It's one of reading attainment. It's also a gap of, of teacher knowledge and teacher confidence and, and within that teacher training as well. Um, and it, it's a very personal story for me. I begin with a quote from Frederick Douglass about reading and freedom. I know that, you know, my personal story is one of my school success is related to reading and lots of my peers, um, in, in my state school, didn't get that you know, equal success that I did. They didn't make it to university. And I know that the choices that I have now to write books or to speak on podcasts, so much of that relates back to my ability, my literacy ability to read and write. And I know so many of my disadvantaged peers didn't quite have the opportunity. And, and I you know, don't ever feel comfortable that we have a small number of students from disadvantaged backgrounds like myself who seem to break through that glass ceiling. I think if we were to keep the main thing of school improvement to fundamental aspects of learning like reading development and, and writing development, then actually we can make big differences. In terms of takeaways, I, I think there are quite a few takeaways. More broadly, I think it's a notion of teachers understanding the complexity of reading. And I simplify it down at one point in, in the chapter on reading comprehension to a formula of, of background knowledge plus being a strategic reader leads to skilled, successful reading. And I think this understanding of reading comprehension, you know, the, the fundamentals that underpin whether a pupil can sit there and, and read a science examination at GCSE or read a, a piece of prose about the African savanna in their sats in year six. Understanding those principles of comprehension, I think, is really key. And, and for me, recognising how knowledge develops and, and, and the different aspects of word knowledge, of generic knowledge and how you build schema, how you build this connected understanding of the rare language that we 
you know, embrace and, and we have access to when we read texts. And then being strategic about that knowledge as well. So one of the um, one of the strategies I talk about in the book is reciprocal reading, which just has a, a focus on reading comprehension strategies like prediction and questioning and clarifying. And and actually with short, clear, effective interventions and classroom practices around those strategies, we can make quick gains actually. And then when you align the curriculum and you have a reading rich curriculum and teachers are carefully you know, teaching and connecting texts, they're recognizing the, the academic vocabulary that pupils need to build over time, then actually you can recognize how with reading strategies and with background knowledge and connecting up rich texts, then we can lead to skilled reading. And I, and I think there are lots of other aspects which I which I hope are key takeaways. I think for me, what, the chapter on reading barriers, I think is really important. Um, understanding what makes for a complex text. It's not just the words, it's the words, the sentence structures, it's also the the genre and the type of text. So we know pupils can particularly struggle with informational texts and, and the likes of textbooks with their unique structures and um, and their unique um, ways they use a glossary and the way they use graphic representations of of, of knowledge. And so I think understanding the complexity of text in that reading barriers chapter is important. Also understanding what we mean by dyslexia and poor comprehenders. And I, and I think fundamentally, lots of pupils do read adequately in our classroom and enough in every classroom for us to think that our teaching practice is going along just fine. It will actually be that smaller proportion. It might be 20 percent. It might be you know even smaller in in some classes, but it might be something more significant in others where there are clear barriers to understanding that reading is disfluent. You know, pupils are, are sitting there and they're reading, and it has that robotic kind of broken. Um, flow where you can recognize very overtly that pupils are struggling to read clearly, fluently. But also underneath that, you can recognize when pupils don't access the complex knowledge and, and, and are able to understand the, the dense information within that chapter on forces in physics or, or looking at floodplains in geography. And so for me, the chapter on reading barriers is really key because in every classroom we teach, there'll be some pupils who are struggling and who face those barriers. And, and one of my areas of, of, of biggest issue, I think, and, and the teacher gap that I recognize when I speak to teachers is they're just not confident with a struggling reader. And you often have pupils who begin in year seven or or as, as late as year 11 and beyond who are far be, far behind their peers in terms of their reading ability and teachers just lacking confidence to support those pupils. So hopefully this book gives lots of practical ballast, lots of practical strategies to support not just those pupils, all pupils, but, but those struggling readers will benefit the most. And hopefully it just builds that knowledge and confidence and closes something of that teacher gap so that literacy teaching and reading teaching is is meaningful and that every teacher feels like they've got the knowledge and, and the science of reading and, and all of that rich research that underpins this this complex act 
hopefully the book offers a good start and a good way in to that evidence and, and some good strategies to work with. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Alex, for this really thorough introduction to your book, which is relevant to teachers of all ages and subjects. As per usual, we're now going to hear from a selection of readers who are going to help us see how to apply the content of Alex's book to our teaching practice. First up, let's hear from Angie. Hi, I'm Angie Lenton. I'm an English teacher and coordinator at Northampton College. Um, I tweet under the name English FE3. The college I teach at is a large further education provider and I teach GCSE English language in the space of a year to students who didn't achieve that magic grade four at secondary school. And I also teach uh, GCSE to adult students as well. We only really get a short amount of time probably around about 10 months to make an impact for all of our students and so this year I've made it a personal mission for me to focus on improving the reading skills of all of my students and that's what brought me to getting the book Closing the Reading Gap by Alex Quigley from my college library. I've had lots of kind of internal questions running in my head over the last few years about how do I teach reading to 16 year olds in a class setting. Um, So that's why I put this book up. I read it over the space of a weekend and I loved it so much that um, I put a little order online and I've now got my own copy, which has got lots and lots of scribbles, annotations in the margins. It's got post-it notes scattered throughout it. So I promise you this is a book that I keep going back to time after time. Personally, I think this is relevant for all teachers of all subjects. Um, There is, in fact, a chapter in there, chapter six, which is dedicated to reading in different subject disciplines. Um, And there's examples from lots of different subject areas as well dotted throughout it. So this isn't just a book for English teachers. And I think that's really important. And that's what Alex tries to get across. Um, So not just for English teachers and not just for secondary teachers either. So it covers all of the settings from primary to secondary to 16 plus to adult education. Um, And Alex obviously says that reading is implicitly taught at primary school and he calls this learning to read, um, but that says it gets lost when it comes to reading to learn as Alex puts it, during secondary school and above. So one of the main takeaways from the book for me is those phrases. So we need to learn to read before we can read to learn. I know it sounds really obvious, um, but you know when a student gets to 16, that's something you really need to be thinking about. It doesn't mean teaching 15-year-olds the alphabet. It basically means teaching reading by modelling, and that's something that I've definitely implemented in my classroom this year. I now read everything out loud to help students understand. So thinking about how my tone influences what I'm reading, um, how punctuation influences it, sentence lengths, etc. on the fluency and understanding as well of what you're reading and scaffolding that reading as well. There are eight chapters in the book and they range from the history of reading through to what you could do next, so practical strategies. And each chapter, which I absolutely loved, has an in short section at the end. Basically, it just summarises all the key points. 
And it also has all the sources that Alex has referred to um, during that chapter as well. So saving you having to look at the end. And actually, I've loved that part of it because it's been a springboard for me. And I'm actually reading about reading a lot more now. And actually, I'm not quite sure where to stop with that. Um, I have taken something from each of the eight chapters in the book, um, but probably most significantly, I'd say chapters four and five. So that's about reading comprehension. And uh, chapter five talks about reading barriers. Uh, so they look at things like dyslexia um, and another lesser known issue as well of poor comprehension and inference skills. So teaching in an FE college and teaching students who didn't get that grade four or above it's absolutely clear that these are the areas that our students struggle with the most. Um, our classes in FE do have an extremely high proportion of dyslexic students as well. And so what we do is we try and develop strategies specifically to help those students with those needs, but we use them with everybody in the classroom. And Alex gives us strategies to help, including things like visual hooks, so things like dual coding, not overloading working memory of students, um, and even creating jigsaws of texts but you'll need to read the book to find out more about that. I'm really looking forward to implementing more of Alex's practical strategies as well into my own class uh, during the next academic year and I can't wait to share these with other teaching teachers in my college as well. So now I'm on to more reading about reading. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Angie. It's great to hear how this reading about reading has sparked more reading about reading. Next up, two people who really love reading, and that's Dave and Rhiannon. Hi there, I'm Dave Tushingham, and I'm an e-practitioner in a school in Bristol. Hi, my name's Rhiannon Rainbow, and I'm school improvement lead maths for the Greenshaw Learning Trust. And today we've been reading Alex Quigley's Closing the Reading Gap. And, uh, and as two math teachers, I found this a particularly powerful read. Um, it gave me so much to think about um, what I do in my day-to-day -day practice. Uh, at times I found it reassuring to see that, that what I was doing was really supporting my students to understand tier-free language, to understand um, how to access the text so they could answer the mathematical questions in front of them. But a lot of stuff um, in this book just really made me think about um, things that I could do better in my classroom, things that I wasn't aware of that my students might be struggling with, tactics, techniques that we can use um, with, with supporting those students. And, and it really made me think about the science as well behind, um, behind reading. And, and there's a, a section here which talks about the eye movement process and how that gets smoother when um, the self-teaching mechanism kicks in um, and how that journey from novice to expert in reading is, is just incredibly complicated. Um, and, uh, and understanding how... Um, that that sort of mechanism works and, and how um, our eye movement process would would work better is going to help us better um, support our students that are in front of us um, and and knowing the complexity and appreciating the complexity and then looking at some of the techniques that are in this book um, has has had a, a real impact already um, in my classroom practice. Absolutely, and I think it's just so key and helpful that there is also a, a section where it specifically discusses maths in it as well because it's it's one of those things that when it comes to looking at something like um something more academic 
from a maths perspective that that somebody's written, I feel a significant amount of cognitive overload because I'm not used to or I wasn't I wasn't explicitly that I remember supported in that continuum of this is a piece of maths, this is how you read it, this is what this is what it's trying, the message it's conveying from a simple, from a novice end to then build up to experts. So I feel like I'm sort of trying to wade through and find my own way because I'm not entirely sure of specific strategies or approaches. And I want to do better by my students. And I think that's, this is a real area where I'm interested in finding out more. And this this section of this book is just a, such a fantastic starting point for that. And I know I'm going to keep coming back to it as well. And there's, there's one bit in that because I, I really did get drawn to the mass specific side of this book as well. There's um, the, the little paragraphs um, around how it might look in our subject. And, and there's one part um, that made me think of some work uh, from Craig Bass as well, where um, Alex talks about um, how pupils can find it difficult to move between text and graphics. Um, and that particular um, part just made me think about something that I've been starting to do in my lessons, where when I'm introducing the diagram, I will now introduce it without the labels on that diagram so that students can just see what's going on. Um, and, and then I will narrate, but I will think about how the students are receiving the information um, and, and how they receive it um, orally, but they, how, they, how they receive it um, in, in different ways as well. And I, I just think that that's something to really consider also. Yeah, and I um, it, it, it just made me think of an interview that uh, um, Craig Barton's done on one of his podcasts where he's talked specifically about the labelling of diagrams and making it clear and what goes on the slides and the and the messages that we want to convey more powerfully. So even in just putting our own examples together and our models in the classroom to work through that. So after looking at this, I automatically want to go back and listen to that again and 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 just to take notes from another angle as we move along ourselves from the sort of novice to expert continuum. I'm a, I'm a little tiny bit further along, so I want to go back and look at it through another lens. And I I really appreciate the work. So we've, with Josie Mingay does across our trust with um, sort of introducing the different tiers of language and the, the, the um, staff CPD and the the lead she's taken on tier three language as well because I think when I just see something through the lens of maths I forget that that word can have a specific word can have very different meanings in very different places and I haven't been as clear and explicit enough about what it means in my subject as I think I could have been in the past. And, and that's a, a real reflection I've had as well here, um, looking at the precision of the language that we use um, to really support the students. Because um, Alex talks about how there's there's many subtle near hidden barriers when reading mathematics. And so that importance of reading with that precision. And, and I know today I've used the word stuff um, to describe um, the, the, the work that's in this book. I've used um, when I talked about some, some paragraphs. And it's been very sort of um, sort of informal some of my language and so something that I'll do in my lessons is I'll talk to the students about um, and I'll sometimes do it accidentally but I'll sometimes do it deliberately where, where I'll maybe just talk to them about some, some maths, some stuff in maths and then go I need to change my informal language here, I need to use my formal language, let's think about that word and what it means and, and then thinking about some of the definitions and 
and how we really need to take care around those definitions because um, a mathematical definition, when you think of the boundary examples, can really quickly push into being a, a long paragraph. And and uh, and so thinking about how you can be really concise with explaining to the students what a, a tier three word means, but at the same time, um, making sure that uh, there is a full understanding behind the language that's being used. And I wonder if for that, actually, it might be easier instead of having a long paragraph or a phrase I can't remember I think I think it might have been in a discussion with Peter Mattock I'm not entirely sure but where it was that where it was well how, how are we going to explain this then he said well what about examples and non-examples what about showing what it is and showing what it isn't and could that actually be more powerful or somebody in the room said could that be more powerful then trying to work out how to articulate it ourselves in initially is to actually give that as as another way of considering it, and so it's it's all of these different things. And I I think I also I find myself now not relying on retaining all of this knowledge and specificity in my head, but actually demonstrating to students that I will check the Pearson command words GCSE poster. Right, this is this word. This is what it means. And I'll go back to if I'm trying to remember an equation or a formula, should I say, be, be careful with my language. If I'm trying to recall a formula correctly, I will go to the GCSE poster or to the formula booklet for A-level and I'll go back to its original source. And it just reminds me again of, of the um, podcasts and the sessions, the, the CPD sessions run by Joe Morgan and Craig Barton on the podia.com site that he's got and joe comes back to sort of the sentence stem she has for particular aspects if you're learning a rule if you're if you're if you're trying to help students be more uh, and yourself to be more articulate and to be more precise then say it in this way and always say it accurately in this way and repeat it to the students and get them to repeat it back to you and that really helps us to be a lot more precise around the language we use, um, rather than, as you say, we, we, we fall into the trap of stuff. And actually, that can be really confusing. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I really like the command words as well that you mentioned there. I remember running a, a parent workshop where we introduced um, parents and the students that like to a matching exercise where we, we looked at what those words meant. And it, it really sort of brought out um, how important the, the knowledge of those words um, would be, but also sort of where those gaps were, and, um, and it was um, yeah, the, the gaps were, were larger than I was anticipating. So it's um, it's certainly something to not necessarily assume that knowledge um, as well, and to really support the students um, from from becoming novice to experts in in reading. Um, but yeah, a really powerful piece um, for us, I think, and, and a lot to take away in the classroom. A lot I've already taken away into the classroom, and, and just uh, really appreciated having the time to be able to read it. Absolutely. And it, it's, it goes back to our session with Hailey Hughes as well, doesn't it, where she was talking about reciprocal reading and bringing and, and dis discussing that and how she's been using it. And I know on Twitter the other day, somebody asked about reciprocal reading and Hailey said, oh, here's, here's a load of slides I did. Here's a CPD session I did on it because she's so passionate about, about the impact it can have. And um, it I, I want to go back and re-listen to something that Danny Quinn did. I know it's Craig Barton again, but she did in a podcast with Craig Barton talking about the structure of their booklets when they were putting them together at ARC. 
um, at, 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 at Michaela, um, sorry, the Michaela School that where she was head of maths previously, because when they were putting a booklet together, they would also put together um, and, it, and an example and an explanation at the beginning as well for students to be able to read through. And I think that's such a powerful way for us to help introduce and support students to precise mathematical language and being able to understand and develop their confidence with reading mathematical literature as they go up through um, the years and the, the complexities and the different topics as well. So I want to go away and do more work and more reading around this. And so I'm really, really grateful for having another look at this book. It's been wonderful. And, and just, yeah, I, I really enjoyed reading it also. And, uh, and yeah, just thank you very much for the time to, to be able to, to have a look at it. Thank you. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thanks, Dave and Rhiannon. It's interesting to hear a discussion about reading from teachers of a subject that we wouldn't immediately associate with reading. It goes to show what an important topic this is to be discussing. Next, here's Helen. Hi everyone, my name's Helen Hind. I'm an Associate Assistant Vice Principal and English Subject Leader. I lead whole school reading at a school in Liverpool. Alex Quigley's Closing the Reading Gap and his Closing the Vocabulary Gap have been really instrumental in our development of a whole school reading culture. As Quigley articulates so brilliantly in the book, we all know that pupil success will be defined by their reading abilities. They need to be able to read masterfully, fluently and skillfully and emphasise throughout this book is the concept that to unlock the academic curriculum, the biggest step we can take is to improve students' reading abilities. Quigley is really clear in his articulation of the challenge faced by young people as they learn to read. And there are some really worrying statistics and facts within the book that have helped me to emphasise the importance of our whole school reading drive to all staff. So Quigley talks about how um, a quarter of year six pupils left their primaries at the expected level for reading in 2019. Students who aren't read too regularly at age five don't perform as well in maths, vocabulary and spelling by the time they're 16. Only a third of children are read to at home. And he writes that one in 11 children don't have books at home and that number rises to one in eight uh, for disadvantaged children. I think the biggest impact we've had in our school has been to follow what Quigley suggests, which is that small daily acts of reading matter. That children who are read to daily hear over a million more words than children who aren't read to. With that in mind, we've implemented uh, twice a week all of our form tutors read out loud. And we've also encouraged all of our staff to read out loud from high quality stories, both fiction and non-fiction, to really supplement the, the, their knowledge and their learning and their development in every single subject across the school. As Quigley uh, says, and I just really love this expression, we are beholden to fill their school days with the richness of countless books so that they are buoyed by the world of imagination and knowledge offered to us by possessing the capability to read successfully. That's really formed the bedrock um, for us. In the book, Quigley distinguishes between learning to read and the complexities and challenges facing students as they learn to read. And he acknowledges, as we all must do, that most secondary school teachers haven't ever been taught to teach children to learn to read. 
but he also distinguishes between uh, learning to read and reading to learn and um What's been really helpful in our school is the is the concept that absolutely every scientist, geographer, historian becomes more proficient and knowledgeable via the medium of academic reading. With the focus in year five and six on on fiction and the fact that in transition, the students face more um dense informational text as qu- texts as quickly calls them we've had a real focus in our school on supporting our students as they transition into the higher demands of reading in the secondary curriculum some really really practical strategies within the book that i'm sure everyone will find really valuable something we've implemented across school is uh, is gaze uh, the g standing for gist where students get the sort of brief concepts analyze where they dig a little deeper, synthesise where students summarise the text and elaborate where they make links to their prior learning and they explore the text in that greater depth. They are metacognitive strategies that have proved really valuable for our students in science, in maths, in English, in, in modern foreign languages. Quigley really focuses on the specialised ways of reading. So he talks about geographers read with one viewpoint, uh, uh, with, with different viewpoints, sorry, environmental, social, economic perspectives. And he talks about the different ways that mathematicians might read. Quigley's blogged about reading in mathematics recently, and that's been really valuable for us as a school. And he talks about the challenge of that being immense. I'm sure any uh, math specialist reading will be really delighted to hear that Quigley describes the reading requirements in maths as harder than reading Tolstoy in the original Russian. My favourite chapter is chapter seven, where Quigley articulates a range of really practical, easy to implement whole school reading strategies from changing your reading culture to engaging parents. And in particular, we focused from page 159 onwards, the step by step breakdown to whole class reading and whole class reading approaches that we've now embedded within our curriculum. I'd highly recommend closing The Reading Gap. It's a brilliant book, really, really practical. And we're really grateful that we've, we've been able to use it in the way that we have. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag page practice podcast. Thank you, Helen. I'm glad you also mentioned Closing the Vocabulary Gap. The books, of course, do work really well together. I just have to add a correction that Helen noticed after recording. She said that a quarter of students left primaries at the expected levels for reading in 2019, when what she meant was that they were below these levels. Next up, we're going to hear from Laura. Hi, my name's Laura Aldridge and I'm a head of English at a school in the northeast of England. Um, I'm currently in a secondment post to develop whole school literacy within my school. And it's as a result of that that I have read the brilliant Alex Quigley book, Closing the Reading Gap. And I'm just going to share with you some of my thoughts on this book and what I've learned from it and how it's shaping the approach that we're taking to developing whole school literacy. Um, I'll go through each chapter and explain 
what the chapter tells us and uh, what was brilliant about each chapter. What I won't do there is go into too much detail, partially because I don't actually want to deny anybody the pleasure of reading this book for themselves. It really is exceptional. Um, but it, just to give you an insight into the the, the kinds of information and the, the, the impact that each chapter had on me as I read it. So I'll start with the introduction. So one of the things that was really obvious in this introduction was just the overall importance of reading and the significant role that it plays in a child's educational career right from early years provision right through up until the the, the heavy demands that they sometimes encounter in those A-level and per-16 subjects. Um, but it went a little bit further than that in the introduction. There was um, a brilliant discussion of how reading is the master skill of school, yet teachers largely are untrained in teaching reading and they don't recognise the reading demand that faces the students, which I thought was a really interesting observation. Um, as an English teacher, I deal obviously quite a lot with reading and with texts and it, it made me very much aware of my own lack of training in reading. Um, and, and, and again, that was one of the things that made me really interested to explore what the rest of the book had to say. It talked about the, the transition from Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 when children are learning to read into Key Stage 3, where children are reading to learn and the nature and the variety of reading that students encounter um, changes hugely uh, and again how, how quite often that's unaccounted for and um, not explicitly addressed in that in that key stage two to key stage three transition period. Um, and there was an interesting notion about how schools and individual teachers can sometimes unknowingly strengthen the reading barriers because of their over-reliance on chunked text, on PowerPoints or um, heavy curricula that's, that is not logically sequenced or not not coherent across a whole school, um, and and the over and, and the reliance on assessment or the um, focus on assessment and the necessity of it at all key stages. So as an introduction, it was it was quite striking. It was quite powerful, um, and certainly made me think. Uh, even as an experienced English teacher that I, I actually didn't know very much about reading um, and that perhaps by the end of the book I would know a heck of a lot more, which, which I did. The next chapter is called A History of Reading and uh, this was really good just to kind of contextualise how reading as a, as a form has developed uh, from something that was initially meant to be performed um, and is now something that we see our teenagers scrolling away on their uh, smartphones and their electronic tablets and how throughout much of history the majority of the general population have, have been illiterate and it's only in the last few hundred years or so that that's shifted uh, and therefore our our understanding of reading and our ability to read is 
it's quite fragile and it's still um, emerging, it's still developing and, and, and it matters. It really matters that uh, we are developing a literate population. Chapter three was a scientific eye on reading, which again was was a real, real pleasure to read. Um, and it focused on the scientific and technical aspects of, of learning to, to decode, learning to pronounce words, inferring what those words might also mean and might also be saying, comprehending not just individual words, but also how we comprehend from sentence to sentence, how we how we comprehend from the beginning of a text to the end of a text. Um, and it was also very good at dealing with the complexities of the English language and how that adds to that challenge, that scientific challenge of decoding. Um, chapter four was reading comprehension and how comprehension is ultimately a bit of a goal for reading, um, but it's an effortful process because it, it requires the, the reader to bring with them a heck of a lot more than just the ability to read words on a page. It requires background knowledge. It requires the uh, student's ability to make inferences, to decode idioms, to understand when the language that they're reading is figurative. It requires um, a, a, an understanding of 95% of the words in order to be able to comprehend the text as a whole. So the importance of vocabulary. But then there was some uh, really explicit pointing out of pedagogical approaches like skimming and scanning, rereading, um, explicitly drawing attention to glossaries, um, how to summarise and write good summaries. And what I thought was, was really brilliant about this chapter was the fact that Quigley explicitly points out to us that these are pedagogical approaches um, in the same way that we that's what exactly what we should be doing in our classrooms. We should be explicitly pointing out what strategies we can use to encourage our students to decode and to comprehend um, and to monitor their comprehension as well. The next chapter was about reading barriers um, and it ranged from uh, barriers in things like being able to physically decode words um, and then also the, the difficulty in decoding and reading overly complex and, and long sentences. But then the reading barriers along the lines of uh, text types and the fact that when we read fiction, there is some sort of there's a sense of that being slightly easier for students because it, we bring to it an understanding of character types and narrative structures and an emotional literacy that is more evident in fictional texts than it is in non-fiction um, and more information texts that, that you might maybe find in, say, for example, a science textbook. And, and, and that posing a barrier because we don't have those tools to, to decode all of that implicit information that we, that we can when we're reading a fictional text. Um, 
reading barriers surrounding things like uh, the purpose, what are we reading for? Is that clear to students? Do they, do they know from what angle we're reading the text and from what angle the text has been constructed? And the structure of the text as well. Um, really profound comments surrounding the, the how our lived and cultural experiences can also be a, a very limiting factor in how students can access and understand texts. Um, and he he offers uh, an, a couple of tools to help us as teachers gauge a text's complexity. Um, he, he refers to a method called the arduous eight, which gives you um, eight different facets of a text to consider when, when working out how difficult a text might be for our students to access. Um, and also something called Tenant's Ready Reckoner, which again is, is a, a lens through which to, to view a text, which would give us a, a very quick way of gauging how challenging uh, a text might be for our students. Another reading barrier that he pointed out was that our students are not strategic readers. Um, and if we equip our students with strategies and we make it explicit that that is what they are, um, then those barriers will, will gradually become eroded, particularly if we take whole school approaches to teaching some of those strategies. Um, and there was um, a brilliant, one of the things I remember most, I think, from this chapter was um, a quadrants diagram, which showed the, the 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 four different areas of reading ability that a student might find themselves in. So um, a student could be a, a decent word decoder, but a poor comprehender. Um, and a student might comprehend words quite well, but just struggle in actually understanding them. Um, and that's probably something that I, that I would would share with the whole school um, uh, as a way of highlighting that there are a range of barriers that our students are facing when they are um, reading and accessing reading texts. The last three chapters, however, are the absolute game changers. There, there was a, a chapter on subject disciplines, um, which was absolutely fantastic to read. It it went through nearly every subject that you can imagine being taught at a secondary school and gave a, a profile, if you like, or an overview of what literacy or what reading looks like in that subject area and why it can be challenging and what we can do within each individual subject area to break down that disciplinary literacy of reading. And, and for me as an English teacher, but also as a, a member of staff who is, who is currently seconded into this role of developing a whole school literacy strategy, that was absolutely invaluable, this chapter, because I felt like it, it opened my eyes to um, the, the, the complexities and, and, the, and the nuances of reading within each individual subject that obviously as an English teacher of 15 years, I know what reading looks like in my subject, 
but to be able to appreciate what reading looks like in other subjects um was was really was really great and i can i can see myself in this in my current role of leading on whole school literacy referring to this chapter on subject reading over and over again and using it to inform um staff training on on subject specific reading so that chapter in particular, if you have any kind of cross-curricular role or if you have any kind of whole school literacy role, that chapter is an absolute goldmine of information and insights and um, priorities, you know, skills and strategies that we need to be prioritising within each individual subject discipline. So that, that was really crucial for me. Um, the next chapter was, uh, again, really critical. It's practical strategies. Now, I think whenever I read um, a pedagogical book or an educational book, um, I kind of want somebody to tell me what I need to be doing as a result of all the reading I've just done. Um, and that's precisely what Quigley gives us in this chapter. Um, he gives a, um, an absolute wealth of approaches and techniques and strategies um, and approaches that that could be employed within individual subject disciplines, but also whole school. Um, but he covers a, a real variety of um, reading challenges. So, for example, how what are the practical strategies for developing a reading culture at your school? What practical strategies can you employ in developing reading for pleasure? What are the practical strategies for developing whole class reading or improving reading fluency? Um, as well as developing strategic readers, um, improving questioning around reading, how we can use writing to, to support reading and, and also how we can use reading to improve writing um, and, and vocabulary instruction as well. Um, so again, an absolute goldmine in that chapter of things to try and, and things to test and uh, things to employ. So a, a, a real um, area for impact, I think, that, it, that comes from this book. And then lastly, um, the final chapter was was titled Next Steps. And and again, that it that was really like a feeding forward. So you've read this book, you've you've learned about um what the reading barriers are and what the reading gap is. You've learned about how reading varies from subject to subject. You've learned about some strategies that you can use. And then the final chapter in the book is really about how you then move all of that learning into your school setting um, and how you how do you know as well that your strategies are working and how how do you know that reading is improving so again that chapter very practical um which is is what you want from a from a, a pedagogical book i believe it's something that you are it's something that you are learning but then something that you can implement and that's that's the the difference i think in for me in particular in embarking on this new role um so as i said that is a very whistle stop overview of this book um 
primarily I just didn't want to spoil it for anybody. Please do read this book if you've got any kind of whole school responsibility. Um, if you are um, looking at developing literacy strategies across your school, if you are um if you're just interested in reading, if you want to know more about how you can develop reading in your school, this book is an absolute must. Um, it, I, I, I carry it around with me all of the time now. And I know that if ever somebody asks me a question about reading in my school or reading in a particular subject area and I don't have the answer, I know that I will find it in, in this book. It's, it's an absolute Bible. It really is fantastic. Um, I hope that that gives you a very quick but maybe a very purposeful overview and, and an idea of why you need to read this book. Um, so I'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thank you, Laura, for this reflection, which I think will encourage a number of people to get hold of this book for themselves. What I really like about what we do on the podcast is the opportunity to hear individual teacher reflections and the changes they make to their practice, so thank you again. We have just two more contributions today, so let's hear from the penultimate. Hi, my name is Jade Guess. I'm a history teacher and I've been teaching for five years. My Twitter handle is at MissGuestHist. And I co-run a page that helps to share best practice in literacy called Literacy Network. My favourite chapter from Closing the Reading Gap is chapter four, which is about reading comprehension. For the last year, I've been focusing on improving reading across my faculty, which is the humanities faculty at my school. It's made up of history and geography. I found that this book was a really good introduction to reading and gave me a really good overview to get started working on strategies from. I found it really clear and easy to read. Some further reading I've done on reading can be quite dense and scientific, which I find a bit intimidating. But Quigley's book is really clear and I really liked the end of chapter summaries. So then when I was note making, I could just focus on those last pages really to get the key points from those. And they're really good for time when we're pressed for time to do CPD. Those are really handy. So chapter four breaks down simply how reading works, which you can then use to plan strategies from. So this is how I've applied it. Being a history teacher, I find that something students struggle with a lot is reading sources. So I used Quigley's ideas, particularly how he discusses how we build a mental model when we read and the different aspects of that, such as having a reading goal in mind and using different strategies such as skimming and scanning and using background knowledge as a basis for reading. I used those to create a source comprehension strategy. I also developed a strategy for reading exam questions. I find that a lot of students with lower literacy skills find exam questions really off-putting and they put a wall up and struggle to start writing. So I developed a strategy using the different points I just mentioned that Quigley raises. And I found that it's had 
quite a big impact already. Students now have some simple steps to use to break down a complex exam question and then that gives them the confidence to then get started writing. But it's really important, I found, that you repeat it a lot in lessons and embed it. So overall, I really recommend closing the reading gap as an introduction to reading. It's a really good overview of reading and the different aspects of reading and a good basis for further reading if you're interested in developing your knowledge of it. If you would like to do further reading, I would recommend work by Timothy Shanahan, which you can find online, especially his article about disciplinary literacy, which is good for applying literacy specifically to your subject, because as Quigley mentions in his book, that's an important aspect of reading, and the Reading Rockets website. If you want to read more about the strategies that I've discussed, I've written about them in my blog, which you can find on my Twitter page, at Miss Guest Hist. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you for your clear and focused contribution. Finally, let's hear from Simon. Hi, my name's Simon Warburton. I'm the principal at Ely College uh, in Cambridgeshire. And I wanted to to contribute to the discussion about uh, Alex Quigley's book on closing the reading gap. Uh, I thought it was excellent. And I've read a number of educational books over the past couple of years. But this one is is really one that as, as a teacher of 20 odd years and a, a parent of two young kids and as somebody who is an avid reader myself and, and, and just consumes a huge number of books, it, it really made me think and reflect a lot about my own personal experiences as a, as a reader, as a student and now as an educator, but also what I need to, to look at in terms of priorities of post-COVID pandemic and what we do to really support students with their engagement and really reflect on, on what I see in lessons and when I have conversations with, with, with teachers. I think one of the things that, that many things that really surprised me, just how little I know about the challenge and the complexities of reading. That, and I've obviously just taken it for granted as somebody who, who really enjoys reading and there's no memory or recollection at all of what it was like as a, as a student to struggle with with reading and what I now to you know know to be decoding and making sense of the pictures and understanding uh, the wider sense of, of linking experiences and, and, and comprehension and I, I really needed that that kind of jolt from going through the book just to realize how much of a challenge and even when I worked uh, with my with my children with with reading for them and, and we went I was really aware of the importance of reading to them every night and both my wife and I made a, a huge point of, of reading to both kids you know every night we really enjoyed that process but don't really remember you know my children particularly struggling but I think that's largely because of the amazing work that that the primary schools do so even though I felt that that my wife and I played a key role in, in supporting our children learning how to read I would be very hard pressed to sit down and kind of come up with a clear path of how do you actually uh, support students and children and, and teach them how to read. And now somebody who, you know, has been teaching 20 years and now uh, just in my first headship post, that challenge now about what do we do uh, as, as leaders 
to to really address the challenge and complexity about reading and make sure that students are supported whilst also being mindful that staff obviously want to teach through their their subject material and need to focus on that but realizing the importance that closing that reading gap and, and teaching students strategies and how to read and comprehend will be a massive vehicle and, and key success in making sure that they understand the, the, the disciplinary knowledge that they need. I think the many, many, many things that I took from the book, I mean, I tend to take really good care of my books. Uh, this is one that I've scribbled all over, which is a good sign, honestly, <laughs> and something that I hope Alex feels very proud about, that he's produced a, uh, a canon of work that, that really made me think lots after after each chapter. I mean, one of the main things that really took... Uh, my breath away really was thinking about PowerPoint and how we've had so much work and focus so much on dual coding and cognitive overload. And we've really thought to distill our PowerPoints and come up to a point where actually now teachers produce some really, really high quality PowerPoints with you know key bits of information on there. But are we actually making it even harder for the students to read because we're producing material for them in front of them where we really are chunking uh, the key text down? And when was the last time, you know, I'm reflecting as a, as a science teacher and a computing teacher that I give them a huge piece of text just for the challenge of you have to, de- you know, have to turn over, interpret this and, and, and read for information and, and what reading strategies that they've got uh, and how do they develop as, as a reader and as a more effective learner than just me isolating what the key learning objectives are for the lesson and breaking that down for them. I think that uh, I really... I need to think as a head, uh, you know, the chapter on, on reading as in subject areas was massively useful as well, because whilst I'd want to be more of an expert on, on the many curriculum areas that we deliver, you know, clearly that's going to take uh, a chunk of time. But I, I found that that chapter in particular, when I was looking at the, the challenges in maths, for example, about, you know, even how you can trick students, trick them up with, you know a simple question even I remember the question about the rod and the length of the rod and the students were confused because they were looking for the for the key of the the fishing rod as opposed to just a rod shaped object and you just think of the distraction that they're they're totally not able to answer the mathematical element of the question just because they're tripped up with the the conceptual meaning and comprehension and that that really surprised me and I thought well actually how do we make students more aware about their their background knowledge and and flag up you know i'm sure the maths teacher at the time would have focused a lot about the 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 orders of operation and the elements that needed to be focused on not necessarily did the students all understand what rod they were talking about and and we know what students are like for getting fixated on the weirdest part of information within a within a text i think it's it's a really good time for for parents and teachers and leaders to to read this book and really reflect on what's the current baseline reading abilities and comprehension abilities with the students in their school because when we talk about closing the gap uh, from the impacts of COVID it won't all just be about the subject knowledge and that that's specific disciplinary knowledge it will be about you know what's the impact of students being in, sat in front of their computers for five hours of remote learning that means they're less likely to want to pick up a book afterwards how do we build into our lessons you know the real challenge of taking a, a page of some complex textbook material knowing that it's challenging enough for students at the right level and providing the right degree of challenge so we can teach them how to extract information from a page 
as opposed to to breaking things down to such an extent now where we're taking that cognitive challenge out and focusing really on the topic area we actually making it more difficult for the students in the long term by focusing on the minutiae of the details. So there are lots of things that I've taken away that will form my future planning in terms of how we raise the awareness about this. Uh, but I think it's a fantastic book uh, for people to read. And I really want, you know, want to pass on my huge thanks to, to Alex for producing such a fantastic book and a, a huge contribution. And we'll look to do our bit to look at what we can do to support reading that love of reading for students, uh, particularly in, in the school I work at and within the wider trust as much as possible. So a huge thanks, Alex. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. What an amazing collection of contributions we've had here today. I'm very grateful to you all. In two weeks' time, the selected book is Symbiosis by Kat Howard and Claire Hill. And as per usual, I'm still on the lookout for contributions, so please do get in touch. As ever, your feedback is really appreciated, especially via reviews on iTunes or other platforms, or my Buy Me A Coffee link, which can be found on my pinned tweet at pagepracticepod. That's all for now, and I'll be back in two weeks with Symbiosis. Thanks. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article, or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons. <laughs>